welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. This podcast is centered around the question, what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actually participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? On today's episode, we start part two of Someone Should Have Told Me, Money is a Problem. So after I edited last week's episode, I realized I didn't make it clear that essentially that was my fourth time trying to do that message. And after the third time, after feedback from my mentor, basically we decided instead of it being a conversation, which is what I was hoping it would be, which is what today's talk will be, I needed to spend more time on Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, which is why last week's episode was more of a sermon than a conversation. Now, today is not a sermon. I might not even open my Bible, to be honest. I will quote it, of course, but not. it's not going to be verse in verse. It's going to be more of a dialogue that I'm hoping to have with you as a follower of Jesus, asking the question, how do we as followers of Jesus relate to money, both in how we earn it and what we do with it, and what role does it play in the kingdom of God? So before we get going, I'm just going to pray. Father, I invite you into this moment. Jesus, I ask that you would have your way. I ask that you would speak to us. Father, we're not looking for ideas that come from man. We're looking for wisdom that comes from you and you alone. And Lord, you said if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it to us. So Jesus, I'm asking that you would speak to us, that you would show us the path, that you would give us a response to these questions on what are we to do with money, how are we to earn it, and what are we to do with it once we have it. Father, we want to walk with you. We want to know you. We want to be participants in your kingdom. So Lord, give us wisdom today on the things that we should do and the things that we could do and the things that we might need to stop doing. Lord, we're listening and we ask that you would speak. We love you and we trust you. Amen. Okay, well, like I said, today is going to be more of a dialogue. And so we're going to split this into two parts just because I think practically. So The first part is going to be asking questions around how we as followers of Jesus are to earn money. And the second question is going to be, now that we have the money, what do we do with it? So let's start with this first question. I believe from how I understand scripture that we are to filter through that we are to earn our money and spend our money through the filter of love, through the filter of loving God and loving others. Now, when we went to that Matthew 6 passage, we heard at the very end of it, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. So in this teaching, in that moment, we hear that even though money is a power and even though money demands sacrifice, Jesus reminds us and tells us that the father is our provider, that we can put our trust in him to provide for us, that we don't have to meet the demands, all the demands that mammon promises, I guess, is maybe a way of saying it. And so what that tells me and what I hope will influence us in this conversation is that there is a way for us as followers of Jesus to earn money through the filter of seeking his kingdom priority and in his righteousness. And so now let's ask some questions about how we can filter our income. So the first question I want us to ask is this. Is how we're earning money as followers of Jesus harming or hindering our relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit? 
So I think as Christians, we need to ask this question, is how I'm earning money, because if money always demands sacrifice, then regardless of if we're doing this in the most perfect way, there's still a sacrifice that has to be made. So we have to ask ourselves, is that sacrifice being made getting in the way of our relationship with Jesus? Because if it is, then there might be a need for a change. Now, the second question I want to ask, it's similar to the first, is, is how I'm earning money harmful towards myself or those around me locally and globally? Now, this is kind of the filter of loving our neighbor as ourselves. You see, the Father doesn't want us to earn money in a way that is harming ourselves. If our body is the temple and He is telling us He is ultimately our provider, then that means the way that we as followers of Jesus get to earn money is in a way that wouldn't disregard or harm his body, if that makes sense. And so I think we need to ask this question, is how I'm earning money harmful towards myself or towards others? Now, let me get practical even more than just that. I've seen in the Western context, this sneaky way that money can trick followers of Jesus. And this is how I see it happening. I think there are followers of Jesus that are well-meaning people who are making sacrifices to earn money for the sake of providing for their children that they can live a lifestyle that they're that they were not able to have so they are sacrificing a whole lot of time that they could have had with their kids in the name of creating a lifestyle for their kids that they themselves didn't experience this sounds like a beautiful sacrifice and to be honest our western culture celebrates that story but Jesus has something different to say to that reality. He's telling us that we don't have to harm ourselves or our relationships. You see, money is sneaky and it's going to try to be intentional with us if we're not intentional with it. And so we have to be careful and we have to ask the question, am I trying to earn money for the sake of a lifestyle that is not aligned with the kingdom of God? Now, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. We're going to talk about in the second part. But if we are trying to earn so much money to keep up with the lifestyle, then that is an issue that we need to ask ourselves and we need to be honest with ourselves because we can be making sacrifices that Jesus never intended us to make that are harmful not only to our relationship with him, but our relationship with those closest to us and those around us. Third question. Third question is, is so within the, the frame of loving our neighbor, we need to ask ourselves, is how we're earning money harmful to our neighbors abroad? You see, in our Western culture, so much of our material wealth, so much of our materials that products that we sell and that we serve are coming through oppressive means, clothing, food industry, manufacturing industries there's so many examples that you can use to just to see that there are um, ways that we are earning and having our products and our material wealth through the means that are not honoring to God now let me step in even farther and say if you are listening to this and you are a follower of Jesus and you have a business let's say you have a fashion business and you have clothing that is being made in unethical ways I don't care if you have Jesus's name all over your clothing. It is wrong and evil and it's mockery. It is actually completely evil. We are not to be oppressing and abusing people in the name of having a prophet just because we live in a first world country and everyone else is okay with it. That is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way that he wants to provide for us. Let me put another caveat in that. 
if you are that same person, I want you to know that the father does not want to leave you alone with the passions that he's placed in your heart. He actually wants you to seek him and he will give you strategies and ideas through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth ethical kingdom orientated businesses and and ways of earning and 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 gaining material and fashion all those things jesus doesn't want that's not something that you have to do outside of your relationship with jesus that's something that jesus actually wants to enter into and influence and empower you in and show you how his kingdom is in the midst of those industries and so if you're listening to this and you have a passion for business can i encourage you today to seek the Father, to ask Him, how can I do this in a way that is glorifying to you? How can I do this in a way that's loving towards you and to those around me? Because there is a way in Christ for us to walk with Him that's glorifying and honoring to Him. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this today because I think there's some of us who are Christians who have this passion for fashion, who have this passion for a cafe or for a business or for whatever it may be. Maybe you're a banker and you have this idea of how to do banking in a way that's more ethical, more kingdom-orientated. I have to tell you something today. Jesus has placed these seeds in your heart for you to nurture through His Spirit in the context of a community of believers to support you in this. He has given you this and you are to steward it well for him. We are not to earn profits in ways that is harmful towards others to the best of our ability. This leads me to another example. The example is gambling. You see, if, if, Jesus, if my understanding of Jesus' teaching is correct and mammon is behind money, then to give our money to gambling in the names of trying to earn money is wrong. We're actually giving our money to something and saying, we're going to trust this system that is so corrupt, that's so unethical, that's so oppressive in the name of hoping that we can have something in return. I don't believe followers of Jesus are meant to do this. It's not only supporting an industry that's clearly evil and clearly wrong, but it's also saying something deeper about who we're trusting to provide for us. We're putting our trust in mammon when we gamble. Now, let me be clear. If you're in that industry, I don't think you're evil. I just think that there's an opportunity for you to to step out of that and for God to provide for you in different ways. And I think it is a lie from Satan that says that this is just entertainment. This is just for fun. This is no, no. I think there's something really deep going on there. And we as followers of Jesus need to be careful with that. This leads me to my final part of this section, and that is, the stock market. I believe that if where we put our money places our value and how we earn and what we're trusting, then we have to be mindful of the businesses that we are investing in in the stock market. You see, if you invest in just a a regular index fund, that means that you are earning money from companies that prioritize profit over people. That is oppressive. That is not loving our neighbor. And that is not the way that we earn money as followers of Jesus. Now, I want you to hear the promise behind that. Jesus is saying he will provide for us, but it's not through those means. Now, there is something called social responsible investments. These are investments that you can make in specific ETFs and mutual funds. If you don't know what I mean, that's okay, but essentially you can Google it. But essentially, these are going to be specific funds that you can invest in that are are towards 
businesses that reflect your morals or your ethics. Vegans do this actually because they don't want to support companies that abuse animals or use animal products. And so they go to a specific SRI that's designed for them. I know that there are followers of Jesus who invest in the stock market in this way, but I also know there's probably a whole lot more of us who have money in the stock market and are earning profit through ways that are not loving our neighbor. And I think there's a challenge there for us in Christ. Simultaneously, I will say right now, just like I said with the fashion, I believe there are followers of Jesus that have an innate passion and gift in understanding what the stock market is and how it is navigating. And I want to encourage you today. The father is wanting to show you strategies and pathways that you can lead us. Someone like me who doesn't understand that world. You can help us see ways that we can invest in companies that are glorifying to Jesus, that are kingdom oriented, that are prioritizing people over profit at minimum. And so if you're listening to this and you're an accountant and you're a financial advisor, can I encourage you that Jesus doesn't want you to do these things at a distance, but he wants to draw near to you in these things and reveal to you the pathways that are aligning with his kingdom because his kingdom is in our midst, even in the stock market. And so maybe today you haven't been told that, but can I encourage you? Seek the father. He will show you the way. There is a way. In him, for us as followers of Jesus to earn money in a way that's glorifying to him, loving him, not harmful to ourselves or others. Oh, would we believe this today? Would we walk in this today? Would we know this to be true today? So I hope what you're hearing in this first part is it absolutely matters how we as followers of Jesus are to earn our money I hope that you're able to take some time and maybe ask these questions about, is this harmful? Is this hindering? Is this getting in the way? Am I trusting mammon over God's provision? Am I earning ways that are not ethical or that are not kingdom orientated? And I also hope that you're hearing this invitation. If you have a passion for this, that God actually wants to enter into this. For some of you, you know that, and I'm just here to encourage you to keep running. And for others of you, you had no idea. And I'm here to tell you it's true. It's so true. He loves you and he has put this in your heart. It is not meant for you to hold for yourself or to hold at a distance, but he is wanting to enter in to how you are earning money and he has given you a gift and an anointing to lead others well in this area because there's so many like myself who just don't understand this world. So that's the first part of this uh, two-part episode. Now let's enter into the second part of this episode. So the second part is what do we do with the money that we gain? So if we're filtering it through love, it's not harming us, it's not hindering us, it's not harming others, all those things. Now that we have the money, what do we do with it as followers of Jesus? This is where the conversation around tithing comes in. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, please don't check out. You know exactly what I'm talking about, but I might bring a different side to it. So let's let's get into it. So essentially, tithing was a principle that was used in the Old Testament for Jews who were landowners. They were to give 10% of their profits to the sac- uh, to the temple as a sacrifice, as a sign of saying this provision has been from the Father or from Yahweh and not from anyone else. And so it was an act of trust. Now the question that we have today is. Did this translate into the New Testament? In the New Covenant, are the new people of God expected to give 10%? Some say yes, some some say no. I think there's, um, there's reasons to have both of those views. I personally don't believe the New Testament 
um, preaches the tithe. However, I do believe that the New Testament, when we see how the early church and how the disciples used money, we see this radical generosity that I believe really aligns with this idea of giving a set amount of money regularly away. Now, as a free Methodist, there's this method that we have to approach scripture, which is essentially uh, there's scripture, which is the highest authority. Then there's tradition, there's reason, and there's experience. And so this is a way for us to understand scriptures. So when I approach this idea of tithing, I think that there's this radical generosity that we see in the New Testament. So that's the scripture part. And then within tradition, we can see throughout all the generations, the church has believed in this idea either through the language of tithing or through first fruits that you give a set amount of money regularly to um, to the church. And then through experience of doing this personally with Carolee and I and others, I see it as a fruitful thing in our life and using reason. It makes sense, especially if you think about Jesus teaching about mammon and how we are to trust him. This is an actual tangible way for us to say we trust you and we know that it is you that's providing for us, not us. So with all that being said now, I think that as a follower of Jesus, whether you agree with me or not, I think you actually have to start asking those questions. And I'm hoping in the show notes, at least for the podcast, I don't know how to do that with IGTV, but I'm going to have verses that you can read yourself and you can work through it. But within all that, I think you have to ask this question, is there a set amount of money that I'm supposed to regularly give away based off the income that I'm having? Now, from how I understand scripture, and you can disagree, that's okay, is I think this money is set apart for the kingdom of God through supporting kingdom workers and serving the poor. And so I think that if you are attending a local church and it's a brick and mortar church, then there should be some of this money that you have set aside that is going towards this church. Now, if you can't do that and you're a part of this church, then you might be going to the wrong church. And that's a whole nother question, a whole nother conversation. But I think at minimum, there should be something that you're giving to this church if you're being fed by this church. Now, in our situation, we have a house church. We don't have money. We don't, uh, sorry, let me say that differently. We aren't, we don't, we're bivocational. So we don't, we don't get any income from our church and we, we live in, we do it in our living room. So we don't need money. So our church isn't asking anyone for money. However, I do believe we as followers of Jesus are to give our first fruits. And so we encourage our people to give to kingdom orientated people, people who are participating in the kingdom in Niagara Falls, where we are, and also globally. And so, and, and to the poor. And so those to me, how I understand it, again, you can disagree this one. I'm not, I'm not going to die on a hill for this one. Um, I think there there's a reasonable way to understand that this money is set aside for the kingdom and for the poor. So now that we've talked about tithing, I want to step into this other uh, section within what do we do with the money that we have? So there's this idea of giving our first fruits, which is what we just looked at, which is a set amount of money that comes out of our income as a way of saying we trust that the father is the one who's providing for us. It's not by what we do, but what he has done for us that goes towards the kingdom locally and globally workers and also to the poor locally and globally. Now I want to bring up this next subject, which is the difference between necessity and excessiveness. 
So necessity, if you are watching this and you're in Canada or you're in a first world country or it doesn't really matter where you are, there are things that you need essentially to walk or to live in life. Like you're going to need some sort of shelter. You're going to need food. You're going to need some sort of way of transportation. If you have children, education over for yourself personally, whatever it may be, there's going to be essentials. Even phones are essential to a certain degree. And so it's not that these things are bad and it's not that God doesn't want us to have these things. But I do think something to help us when we're looking at our essentials is this question of, are we living within our margins? What I mean by that is if you're watching this and you're making $150,000 a year, then I guarantee you, you're going to probably get to, within your margins, have a nicer a nicer car, a nicer phone probably, a nicer house, all those different things. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think even within that, you need to ask the question, am I living to try to keep up with the current culture and lifestyle that I specifically subscribe to? Or am I being in step with the spirit? Because some of us have this kind of income, Karen and I don't, but some of us have this kind of income and what happens and what I've seen is that what when you start earning more money, your, your social circles change. Because for many of us, if you do end up going into a higher bracket job, paying job, what happens is your social circle is now changed to people, employees that are all making the same amount of money that you are. And so now you have this extra bit of cash, you have this extra bit of flow coming in. And so what happens is you can look around you and see what everyone else has and say, I got to keep up. I got to stay in step with what's going on around me. Now, as a follower of Jesus, we don't do that. We as a follower of Jesus stay in step with the spirit and ask what is the kingdom in our midst and how can we participate? So I think just a kind of principle you could call it to ask ourselves is are we trying to keep in step with the current culture or are we keeping in step with the spirit? I think this is an important question when we ask how are we spending our money? Within that, we need to understand there are essentials. There are things that we are going to have to pay for. There are things that we're going to have to have. And so the question is, are we living within our margins? Because many of us aren't. Many of us have visa debts that are astronomical because we are actually trying to keep up with the current culture's trends and norms. And in, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to submit to that way. And we need to work really hard to get out of debt and trust that God will provide for us to help us get out of debt um, because being in debt isn't a good thing, especially as a follower of Jesus, because we want to be having the most margin so that we can be as generous as possible. So outside of just giving our first fruits, outside of just giving a set amount of money, we want to be able to be generous people. And if we're going to be generous people, even if we have a little, if we're able to live within our margins, so let's say we can't afford a house we can't afford a house to even rent, but we can afford a two bedroom apartment. And that allows us to have margin to be generous. And as a follower of Jesus, that's the route we're going to take. And we're going to trust that over time, God's going to provide more for us so that we can have whatever it is that we feel that we need or that God trusts us with basically. So the question is, are we living within our essentials or are we living within our excessiveness? Are we living an excessive life? The sec, the third or fourth, whatever number we're at now is this idea of being a cheerful giver and celebration. So this is twofold. So in the New Testament, you will find places where it talks about cheerful giving. You see, we are not to be generous out of spite, out of hate, I, I, like out of um, scarcity. 
but we give out of abundance because we know that ultimately it's not by our work that we have what we have, but it's through the Father. And so if it's through the Father that He's the one who's providing for us, it's not up to us, then that means that we have the ability to just give so freely because we know we have abundance because the Father is abundantly beyond anything of this world so we have nothing to worry when we give because we know that he has us that he's for us and that this is just an opportunity for us to participate in his kingdom which is who are we to be able to participate and so it's such a privilege and it's such a joy to be able to give money away freely because we know that we're participating and that he has us and it's all good and so it's a beautiful thing when we can be cheerful givers as followers of jesus the other thing is that jesus tells us there's a time to dance and there's a time to mourn. There's a time to celebrate. There's a time to mourn. And so there's this idea of celebration, of hospitality that I think a lot of us has lost in the church. And the reality is if we are to be hospitable as followers of Jesus, we actually need resources for that. We need to have in our budgets a a spot that's about celebration. If you have a family and you have children, there needs to be an allocated amount of money out of your income because you're living within margin that goes towards celebration. Whatever it is that your family's into, whether it's into outside stuff, sports, or entertainment, whatever it may be, board games, all that kind of stuff. Whatever it is, have fun with it. We are to be celebratory people. If you're single, you are to have money that's set aside in your income that is for you, that is for a hobby, that is for something that brings you uh, joy and fulfillment and meaning. There's there's nothing wrong with that as followers of Jesus. You know, this is not supposed to be this strict, you have to do this or your this is going to happen. Da, 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 da. No, no. There's an opportunity for us because of our trust in him for provision that we get to have joy through this life, regardless of if we have much or if we have little, which is what Paul talks about in Philippians. He says, in any and every situation, I know the secret of life. I know how to have a lot and I know how to have a little. And that is is Christ who strengthens me. Jesus is our source. He has given us a way to earn money and to have plenty. Paul is telling us there's a way for us to earn money that is going to be through his means, which is what we talked about in the first part of this part of this section, I guess, about how to earn money as a Christian. But then he's also saying there's times where he didn't have anything. And yet even in those moments, he had contentment and joy and peace because he knew who he was in the father. You see so much of this question of money is about trust. And so there's this idea of celebration. We are to have allocated money in our budget, in our income for us to celebrate our lives, whether we have a spouse, date nights, whatever it may be, children, all the jazz, everything I just said, whatever it is for you, there's nothing wrong with enjoying things in the right context, in the right um, spot, so to speak, in the right priority, maybe is a way of saying it. And we're to be cheerful givers. Now, the final thing that I want to say within this section to summarize is to say, so there's such thing, actually, let me say this. There's such a thing as social responsible spending as a follower of Jesus. I know it's it kind of ties back to the social responsible investment. But really what I'm talking about here is when we are spending our money in recreational ways, whatever it may be, the extra money that we have at the end of the day, if there is that extra money, we need to be filtering it through loving God and loving neighbors, just like how we earn it. So we have to ask those questions that I asked before, the same questions we began this episode with, which is, Is the way that I'm spending my money harmful or hindering my relationship with Jesus? Is it contributing to a lifestyle that is taking me away from the Father? Is it contributing to a culture that is not honoring to God? Those kinds of questions. Second kind of question that comes out of this too. 
Is this harmful towards my family? Is this harmful towards myself, towards those around me? Is this habit that I'm feeding, is it actually life-giving or is it taking away um, physically? Now, within that too, is this harmful towards myself, towards others locally and globally? And this is where I'm going to step right in again and have a conversation about buying fair trade and, and, and having things that are ethically made and ethically sourced. Now, if you're like Karen and I, you don't have a 200,000 income or even close to that. We don't have a hundred thousand income. Um, and you can't afford, there's most likely you can't afford uh, fair trade clothing and fair trade products and ethically sourced things. A really good side um, side way of, of, of doing this is by actually going to thrift stores, by buying secondhand. Because by buying secondhand, you're not giving money to these companies and saying that you're cool with everything that they're doing. Now, I, I want to preface this and say I know in our culture, unfortunately, there are certain things that are almost impossible to get ethically. And that that's such a bummer. And so much of the stuff that is ethical is super expensive, which is so much of a bummer, which is why earlier I was giving a call out to you. If you have a passion for fashion, if you have a passion for food or whatever it may be, that you seek the Father and how you can do this in a way that allows us as followers of Jesus to participate in a way that's good and honoring and glorifying to God. You know, that's ultimately what this question is about, is filtering our ways of spending and earning through the filter of love, through the filter of the kingdom, seeking his kingdom, seeing his righteousness through the ways that we earn and through the ways that we, what we do with what we have. So in closing, I kind of want to just say this. If we are not intentional with money, money will be intentional with us. And I believe as a follower of Jesus, one of the most practical ways that we can be intentional with money is by having a budget. And so when we have this budget, it should reflect kingdom values, kingdom principles. If, if what Jesus said earlier, what we looked at last week, if he says where your treasure is, there your heart is, and where your heart is, that's what you're going to see. And what you see is through the lens in which you live our life. And you can't serve two masters. That whole conversation, if that is actually true, then our budget reflects what we treasure. Or where our heart is, sorry. Yeah, both of those things, actually. And so I think as followers of Jesus, at a baseline, regardless if you agree with my interpretations of that passage or not, we need to have a budget because we need to be intentional with what we do with the money that we have. I think that is the most practical way of, uh, of filtering our finances through the kingdom, through his righteousness, through loving God and loving others. And so I want to close today and just say to you that if you're listening to this, there is an invitation for us to trust the father in this. You see, if God is saying this, it's not because he's wanting to punish us or condemn us, but it's because there's an opportunity for us to see miracles, to see his provision, to participate in his kingdom through how we earn money, but also how we spend our money. Our money can be used for good things when we filter it through the kingdom, when we filter it through his presence, when we give it to him and allow him to take it and use it and bless it and multiply it in a way that is glorifying to his name alone. You see, even though money is evil and money has power and demands sacrifice, it is not too far gone for Jesus to use for his glory. Just like the cross was the most evil moment of all history. And yet that moment is the reason why you and I, 
And I hope that if you're listening to this, that you have put your faith in Jesus, that you know that he loves you, that he is for you, and that in His, in what he did on the cross, that he has forgiven our sins and he's invited us to live in a new way. And you know, really this conversation, if I can, I guess I'll finish with this for the fourth time. This conversation is really about that new way. It's saying that there is something that we as followers of Jesus get to participate in from the time that we said yes to Jesus, received our forgiveness, had our security made into being a son to now the day when we end, the day that we die. There's something that happens. It's not just about that moment and then going to heaven. There's an opportunity we have today when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we receive our adoptions as sons and daughters that's assured through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a participation that the Father invites us into. And it's so beautiful and it's so amazing. And He can do this through something as corrupt and as broken and as confusing as money, as the taboo that money is so much in our culture. So I hope that you are hearing me, um, you're hearing my heart in this, that I'm not trying to condemn. I think there's actually an invitation and an opportunity. So let me pray with you. Father, I just ask that um, the questions that need to be asked in us would be the things that are rising to the surface right now as we leave this conversation. Jesus, anything that I said that is not of you, I pray that it would be forgotten, that it would be removed. But Lord, I ask that whatever was from you would remain and that we would see this invitation that we are being able to use our money in a way that is glorifying and honoring to you. We trust you and we love you. And we ask, Lord, I pray specifically for anyone listening to this or watching this that has a passion for money, that has a passion for earning money, whether it be through businesses or through financial advice or the stock market. I pray right now, supernaturally, that you would give us, you would give these people strategies and and, um, influence and the pathway forward to be able to be in these worlds in a way that is glorifying to you. Give them eyes to see the kingdom. Give them ears to see and courage to step in. We thank you for today. We love you and we trust you. Amen.